0: Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocals of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. Devastation on the Nation is less than one month away. It is coming up fast, it is coming up strong. This year's lineup features Rotting Christ, Borknagar, Wolfheart, Abigail Williams, and Imperial Triumphant. And this is a tour that you do not want to miss. Devastation on the Nation 2020 is proudly brought to you by Metal Festival Tours, Continental Touring, and the and Hops podcast. If you do not have your tickets, you should absolutely pick them up. A few of these shows have already sold out, such as Brooklyn, New York and Chicago. But all you people in Brooklyn, don't worry because the crazy people at Devastation on the Nation have decided to play two shows in one day. That's right. You heard me right. There's one show starting the early show and that one is sold out. So you can't go to that one. But if you do not have your tickets and you're disappointed about that in Brooklyn, don't worry because they had just opened up another show Same day, same venue at St. Vitus. This show starts at 11 p.m. It's going to run late. It's going to be an extreme party. There are only 250 tickets, which I imagine there are even less than now because they announced this last week. So if you do not have your tickets to any of these shows coming up, let alone this Brooklyn show, you should absolutely grab them because more shows are going to sell out. I can guarantee you that. Chicago sold out. LA is going to sell out. If you don't have your tickets, you got to grab that. I've heard that a bunch of these have low ticket warnings. So act fast via the link in description of this podcast, or you can simply go to metalfestivaltours.com. For the four Canadian shows of Devastation on the Nation, I have organized the Vox and Hops Devastation on the Nation craft beer parties. These are either pre-show parties or after-show parties. Either way, there has been custom craft beers that have been brewed in each city, each called devastation in Vancouver, in Toronto, in Montreal, and in Quebec City. All the information for those parties is available on all the Vox & Hops social media pages and is also available on the metalfestivaltours.com website. There is a section where they talk about the Vox and Hops craft beer parties. So if you can come out to these shows, you can come out to these parties, you absolutely should. It's going to be a bunch of Vox and Hops heads, the Devastation on the Nation crew, and band members. And for some of these parties, even I'm going to be there. So come out and party with me, craft beer style. Hey, I'm Mike from Vitriol, and you're listening to Vox and Hops. Yeah, that's right. Thank you so much, Mike. Great episode. I recorded with Mike last week from Vitriol. Much love, much respect. I watched their set. I was blown away. They are hungry, hungry animals. If you have not seen Vitriol yet, they are a band that should absolutely be on your radar. They are vicious, ferocious, unrelenting, hungry animals on stage. And it just it left me with such a smile on my face. So huge shout out to Mike. Stoked to release that episode coming up in the next few weeks. On today's podcast, I'm with Chris Wiseman, the guitarist of Shadow of Intent. Here it is, Vox and Hops, episode number 113. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up everybody? Today I'm with Chris Wiseman. Hey, how are From you? Shadow of Intent. I'm very good. How are you? Not bad, not bad. I'm super stoked to be with you today. You are about to play at the Fairmount Theater, a sold-out show in Montreal. Yeah, we're very excited about this show. It's our biggest headline show to date. Is that true? That is true. I'm super stoked for the hype. I believe in it. Uh, When my guitarist, Christian Donaldson, showed me the early mixes of your record, I was like, who is this band? What is this band? What style is this band? And then the the record dropped, and I listened to it in its entirety, and I was completely absorbed. I loved all the levels of, uh, I could feel where the inspiration is from, I spoke to Ben. I had him on the podcast. But Chris was like, no, you need to speak to Chris. So I'm stoked to be sitting down with you right now. Oh, Stoked to be here. Very nice of Chris to say. Classic Vox and Hops question. Take me back to your youth. When you're at home, growing up as a young child, what music was playing in the house when you weren't in control of the music? Gotcha. So we didn't really... Have like a radio going much,
1: but um, my parents are both professional musicians. My mom is a violin player, and my dad is a upright bass player. So they were playing classical music, but it wasn't coming through like a speaker. It was just them playing the music themselves. Wow. Um, but as far as like a CD, um, again not through the house, but the CDs I was introduced to were the Beatles. Uh, the Beatles were probably the first band, not like a solo, whatever, um, but like as far as like a rock band that I first heard would be the Beatles. It's a
0: very good place to start. That's yeah. That's for sure. Very good band. What was the discussion like with your parents when you told them that you wanted to be a metal musician versus a classical player? It's very, not
1: very much support. Um... So I started off piano at 6, and started cello at age 12, and then, I, how did this happen? I don't want to say forced into playing both, but we'll say forced into playing both, just just for fun. Um, and by the time I was 14, I discovered this video game my brother showed me, Guitar Hero 3, and... I hadn't really heard the music on it before. I had heard the name Metallica somewhere, but I didn't really know what it was. And then Guitar Hero 3 had this Metallica song called One. And that quickly became, at the time, one of my favorite songs ever. So I decided, you know what? I really do like music, but I don't think cello and piano is what I really want to be playing. I want to be playing the guitar. And there's very little support uh, from my dad, but... He reluctantly took me to the guitar store Daddy's Junk Music is called and got me the cheapest squire uh they had and the Line 6 Spider 3 one of the cheapest amps there was so I could at least get started and Yeah, definitely not as much support or enthusiasm as playing the cello, but I at least got started by the time I was 14.
0: Was it at the point when you discovered this Metallica song, One, were you like deciphering it out on the cello, on the piano? Oh, um, before transitioning to a guitar?
1: I believe so, something like that. So before I had got that electric guitar, I did go to music camp a little bit, and there's like an acoustic guitar t-shirt. And so I had at least like a nylon classical guitar that I was deciphering out these guitar hero songs. There was a Muse song called "Nice of Sidonia." Um, there was Slipknot, Before I Forget. There was, you know, a lot of good songs on that game, if you've ever played it. I have, of course, yes. Yes, yes, yes. very good. Um, so yeah, definitely deciphering out some stuff before even getting my first electric guitar. It's almost funny that video games have such an important role in the creation of your career. I would not have known what metal was if it wasn't for Guitar Hero 3: No One had introduced me to metal before that game, to be honest.
0: From what I've spoke when I spoke with Ben, Shadow of Intent was like a Halo homage band initially. Right. So I had written
1: um, a few songs for my old band at the time that dissolved unfortunately and i had met ben at a show and wanted to collaborate with him and i said why don't we use these songs from this band that just dissolved and he said cool but i'm gonna is it cool if i write all the songs about halo i said i don't care write about whatever you want this is just for fun no expectations whatsoever just do what you want your vocals are great so i'm sure it'll sound fine whatever you write it about
0: so, so so you learn guitar <laughs> you learn you learn metal music through a video game Shadow of Intent gets its creation its lyrical concepts from a video game That is correct I think it's super interesting that, that yeah. both of these things have tied in together That's funny I didn't make that connection but that is very true I, I it's it's without video games there might not be <laughs> sh- what Shadow of Intent is right now That's 100% true Wow I just spoke with Bryce um, I asked Bryce this question, how can he explain the hype behind Shadow? How do you explain it? You guys are super hot right now. Everyone is all about you. I love the record. The record's strong. How can you explain it? I definitely can. not I can definitely provide a few guesses. Um,
1: from what I understand from the beginning, Ben did his best to be an active member of like the Facebook metal community and would support other people's uh, projects and would always promote his own and that sort of got the initial word spread and I think the best promotion for any business or product has always been word of mouth and I think the band has never really been into paid promotion or ads or stuff like that we've always just relied on word of mouth as much as we can so i like to think as arrogant as this may sound that the music is just good enough to be supported by word of mouth because um, i don't think there's really anything special about our image per se we we're not dressing up in any sp- specific way um and when we stopped writing about Halo, the band actually tripled in size pretty much from that album. So I don't know if it's about the Halo either. Um, I think, speaking truthfully, Ben is the best vocalist I could really hope to work with. I've you know toured with many bands, listened to many bands, and I can't really imagine anyone doing what he's doing. There there are a few that come close, like Alex Terrible from Prevail, has got some crazy pipes. Um, maybe even on this tour, Kyle from Brand of Sacrifice definitely comes very close. He's an excellent vocalist. But yeah, there's not many that I can think of that can do what he's doing. Absolutely. I agree. Shout out to Kyle,
0: Voxenops alumni. Much respect for his vocals, yeah. How how do you go about writing? What I loved when I listened to Melancholy and I was blown away was just the vast um, amalgamation of different influences that you've made your own. Let's talk about some of those. You guys are like almost like a modern, more for me because I'm not necessarily a fan, but you guys have put in to de- modern death metal some Demu Borgir-esque moments. How did that all come about? Where did those influences come from? So, yeah, since the beginning, there have been just an infinite
1: amount of influences. I never once thought about making the band sound exactly like a specific band, at least not later on. So from the beginning, our first EP was very influenced by this band called As Blood Runs Black. Their first album was like a melodic, death metal, melodic death chord type thing. And they had like a signature sound that, you know, was very captivating for me at the time. So if you listen to our first EP and you listen to their first album, I'm sure you could derive some similarities. But uh, the orchestral and black metal stuff, you know, me and Ben, Ben and I both, you know, were big Dimmelberg Gear fans. Um... There's this band that never really broke out but was around for like a year or two called Ovid's Withering or Ovid's Withering um, that, you know, got us really excited about the idea of combining orchestra with metal. Um, there's Septic Flesh and Flesh Got Apocalypse were great ones. Even Winds of Plague for me. So there was definitely like a lot of, you know, you know, like a driving force To make me want to add orchestra music I thought all those bands were doing something really cool And I wanted to try to give it my own spin Um, as far as Duhmenberg in particular I guess me and Ben always said from the beginning That it was one of our favorites And they did it super well But as far as like other influences For the music, it, you know Gradually added more and more And I've really... For some of this newer stuff I wanna cite um trivium. They have this the Shogun album. Yes, of course. It's yeah. like a progressive melodic thrash. It's got it's got it all. It's a very great album with a lot of different variety. There's uh, Machine Head, The Blackening, another great metal album. There Asley Dying, The Powerless Rise. Um a lot of great, you know modern metal albums that i've been listening to forever and you know are forever ingrained into my mind and anything i really make so definitely want to cite those bands
0: let's talk about your clean vocals i love them i think that there's just such a perfect addition to the band Uh, how important it was it for you to include them on the records to 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 add them to give because uh, it really gives like a breath of fresh air when you're listening is what I find. Right. Yeah.
1: So it, I guess it was very important especially considering I have never really been a singer my whole life. I've never considered myself great at it but on our first album I did sort of a we'll call it a septic flesh impersonation that came out not ideally and i I'd <laughs> the reviews weren't stellar for that, so I you know, tried something new on a reclaimer album where there's this song called The Horror Within where basically I really wanted there to be singing on this part, but the note was really high, so I just belted it out really loud until I could hit the note and it sorta of came out as more of a yell. I was like, oh, this sounds way better than my regular singing voice. Maybe every time I sing, I'll just yell it like this and try to add like a little bit of distortion to it. So it sounds a little more metal. Um, as you know, Trivium or Machine Head would. They're, they're not very clean when they sing, usually. They add a little distortion. So after that, I wanted to add it to a few more songs of the album. And it came out, you know, decent. I think I really honed it in a little better on our newer album Melancholy. It became a lot more comfortable for me to do and sustainable. How is that translating to a live performance? Um, Better than it used to. It was definitely a little harder for me to start but honestly after recording Melancholy and getting all those different takes I really felt a lot more comfortable with the technique and you know And I'm really glad to have our bass player, Andrew, who also does a kind of similar technique, but he pretty much backs me up for all my singing parts. So I really... And on Melancholy, he also is somewhere there in the mix too, a little further back. But um, he'll do some distorted singing as well along with me. So with both of us, it feels like a lot more powerful than it could have been. So I can't, you know... Take all the credit for how it sounds. I'm definitely glad to have, you know, his voice, you know, meshed with mine to make it, you know, as aggressive
0: as we can get it, you know? Of course. Vox & Hops is all about hanging out with metal dudes, drinking some craft beer. Today, we have the rock star of Vox & Hops, the beer that I have had on the podcast the most. This is Boreal's IPA du It's a hazy, delicious New England IPA. It is wonderful. It's juicy. It's perfect. It really changed the craft beer scene. Yeah, definitely here. one of the better beers good, that I've got. Are you a craft beer enthusiast? Not in the slightest.
1: Um, drinking for me is very selective. I do like my sweets. So the sweeter the beverage, the more likely I am to enjoy it.
0: But this one this one hits the spot pretty well, I must say. I asked Ben this question. I'm curious about your answer. If you could ever have a Shadow of Intent craft beer, what would the beer's name be? What would the style of the beer be? I don't even know what the styles are.
1: I'm not that... I was in like IPA versus... A lager, a stout being a dark beer. Gotcha. I guess dark would make sense for us. I feel like Gravesinger is a appropriate name for anything. That's a good answer. Yeah. Gravesinger. Yeah. Well, I, I was thinking, like, if John McTain ever started a record label, we could call it Gravesinger Records or something. So Because, you know, Metallica started theirs, and they call it and Records. Yes, of course. Yeah. So they just take a name of a song that makes sense. So that would probably end up being our record label's name. Unless, on the next album, we came up with a better song name. Then we might use that. <laughs>
0: you never know. Let's touch on that, the fact that you're independent right now. Sure. It's it's mind-blowing how well you guys are doing being an independent band. You, you mentioned that you believe that it's word of mouth, that the music's speaking for itself. What was that decision like to... I've heard that you've had offers from many labels. You guys chose to refuse them all. Yeah, we have to this day refused them all. So there's definitely a lot of
1: reasons. Um... So from the beginning, I've been participating in another band called Currents that's been touring, you know, close to half the year, and Trial of Intent, you know, became pretty uh, profitable just being a online, not ever playing a show, just selling merch, selling music, and obviously we reinvest a lot of the money into the band itself, but, you know, the on its own it's like owning a clothing company where it's just like passive income that you can make so originally I just figured you know if we got a record label that goes away so and you know touring uh, when starting out you don't really make a lot so if I'm already touring with Currents not making anything for the first year or two and figure well if I'm going to be away from home and not able to work. It'd be nice to have some kind of passive income. So that was sort of, I guess, where the idea started. Um, And then the band kept growing, which in both ways made me think, hmm, maybe if we had a label, it could grow even more than I imagined. Or maybe if we don't ever have a label, it'll become more and more worthwhile. So... It was a constant internal battle, but ultimately...
0: We, within within yourself or within the band, even?
1: Um, I guess within myself. Ben has... So me and Ben, you know, have been running everything since the beginning. Um, and he's usually pretty good about agreeing with everything I come up with, unless he feels strongly one way or another. But this was... He was like, yeah, I don't feel like we need a label I don't feel like we need a manager. I feel like we're fine with what we're doing. And, you know, the creative control is nice. I know some of the labels that I've offered from, they, you know, would have let us keep complete creative control. But ultimately, having someone else make decisions for you and steer the ship for you is a little frightening based on, you know, stories I've heard from other bands where... Records can get shelved, but I think the thing we're most afraid of is a record getting rushed, a deadline having to be met, and us not being able to take proper time on our record, and wanting to stick us in a studio for a month, and then whatever comes out is our record. And I don't think Shadow Intent would have as good music if we did it that way, where if we tried to prepare something, we go in a month with like a producer... And whatever it came out was our album, whether we liked it or not. We are very meticulous with every little detail. And the fact that we get to record it ourselves and change anything at any point in the process, I think, makes us a lot happier with how the music comes out. Um, I like, you know, listening through a song a bunch of times and saying, is there any point in this where my attention drops? Is every part is?" As good as it needs to be. And so we just go through everything over and over until it's like, yep, this song is good all the way through. Do that with every song. And, yeah, with the label, it feels as if, one, they could just suggest otherwise than what you would want to do. Two, they could have, you know, a different vision than what you have. And when you have someone with a different vision than what you're going for, sometimes it can create a watered-down product where... It was made to be something other than what it was intended to be, and gosh. But yeah, just taking time to record it the way you want it to be, taking the time to mix it the way you want it to be, rather than being forced to meet a deadline, I think, was very
0: important for what we've been doing. Especially because at the end of the day, it's it's your reputation that's on the line. Precisely. Your artistic integrity... And with labels, most of the time, they're looking at dollar signs.
1: Yeah, we really just, you know, our main concern is, are we happy with what this music is? Does this represent what we want? And when you have other people's interests, it you know, dilutes your own interests. And it just seems whenever we talk to labels, they, you know, said some interesting things. And maybe our band would be bigger if we were on a label but maybe we wouldn't be. And we would basically be paying to take a chance on that. Um, I'm sure maybe it's a safe bet that we would be because someone like Nuclear Blast has like a lot of power and distribution and ability to make things happen. But I just noticed that some labels will prioritize other bands and some bands will just get shelved in, not really see the benefits of the label and they're just sort of Getting taken advantage of, kind of. Or to just get coasted. They got distributed, they got the minimal attention. Yeah. And the label's like, well, this didn't do what we thought it was going to do, but
0: we'll keep taking your money and you're just still ours. ours. Right. So without being on a label, there's a lot of stuff that comes with that, such as having to fill all the roles that a label does. Right. How have you guys handled that? You say no manager, no label, no booking agent. So the booking agent thing...
1: It was actually an exception. So our story with Booking Agents, we, we started with... um, When we booked our first few shows, we had no agent. But once we announced that we were playing live, we got contacted by the agent that Currents had at the time, J.J. Castier from 33 and West. Um, he still books Oceano and Spy and a couple other bands. Um, and he put us on tours with Carnifex... Oceano, Black Dally Murder Whitechapel. Um I mean the the Black Dahlia Murder you could argue Trevor put us on it. When I asked Trevor about it, he said he put us on it, but I mean JJ represented us and I'm sure shout had out, a, Shout out to Trevor. Yeah, He's Trevor, man. great yeah. man. Um but you know, JJ, you know, submitted us and put in like work for us and you know, so he provided a service for us, and later on that year we parted ways, and we were independent for a while. And the craziest thing, we were still getting tour offers. We ended up turning down around twenty tours last year, um, but there was one we accepted. That Current's manager came to me about was uh, the Despised Icon tour, and we were all like, "That's a band, you know." We, Despise Icon is the first deathcore band I ever heard. It's very special to all of us, so song we decided to do. So last year, we really only played three weeks of shows, and it was just that one tour. Um, and the rest of the year was devoted to making our album. Um, but eventually, we just got a new agent, uh, Nick Storch. He books Ghosts, he books Behemoth, Demo Borgir, Cannibal Corpse, Asley Dying, just great selection. So when I got an email from him, I was like, well, we need to have him. It's worth for someone like that. We don't need to be independent if we have someone <laughs> no. like that on our team. So. <laughs> Especially for booking. Booking is right. an annoying Booking, job. yeah. The th- I don't mind managing, I don't mind distributing our music to the outlets. But booking, I can't book mine on tour. I don't want to look up every venue and it's contact too much every work. venue. If we are supporting a support tour, that's easy. So the Spies Icon tour, we didn't have an agent. It was very nice. I didn't really have to do much of anything that I didn't wasn't doing already. Um, the Spies Icons agent was handling all the booking. The uh, guarantees were all there. So it is possible to do it without an agent if you're doing support tours. But if you want to do headlining tours, you really do need an agent and if you want different opportunities for support tours like Nick Storch will be announcing these later this year but gave us some pretty large opportunities that we might not have been able to get without him on our side it's amazing it's amazing so we're very excited to announce those tours coming soon Um, you'll tell me when this is turned off yeah absolutely Um, but yeah managing it's you know can be stressful getting all the emails together being on top of everything keeping the train moving but it, do, you, do you take
0: days off or is it every day a work day
1: uh i guess sometimes i do maybe mentally i don't i'm still always thinking about everything but yeah there's days it all depends on what's going on at the time like i'm sure last year there was probably days off because we weren't touring but this year's definitely a busy year for us. Um then the label thing is interesting. All I re- this, this goes back to word of mouth. I feel like I haven't been doing the work that a label's been doing. So there are two sites that I've gone through called C D Baby and TuneCore. I love them both, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of all the releases are between one or the other. And when our first album came out through C D Baby I found our songs started getting on Spotify playlists, which anyone who knows, you know, the modern music world, the Spotify playlists are one of the best ways to get yeah. discovered and get your music out there. So we were discovered by Spotify playlisters, and that in itself created a momentum and a trajectory for our Spotify numbers, which is, you know, become a larger portion of the music industry and just the fact that the peop- the metal people at Spotify knew who we were and were playlisting us already. So instead of a label telling Spotify to put us on playlists, Spotify was just doing it themselves. They already liked the music and wanted to put it on their playlist because they saw, saw that it. it was hot because there
0: was a spike. in. Yeah.
1: I don't know the exact reasoning, but we've been getting on more and more Spotify playlists as time goes on. So... That's one of the reasons people get a label in 2020 is they want to get on the Spotify playlists. You're doing it already. Right. So if we can do it already, that's one reason why why bother a label. Now, one other reason, perhaps the biggest reason to be on a label is the financial backing. But the way I've always looked at it is a label's financial backing always comes from somewhere. It comes from the records they're selling. So if you simply... Make an initial investment yourself in our case I'll go back in time a little bit. To get our first album out, all recorded and mixed. I recorded myself, cost about two two K to get all the mixing done, artwork, upload to C D baby, a small amount of merch, some C D printing. It was around two K. So I just save up two K, me and Ben, and put that invest it make an investment in our career and it paid off. So every year, making more and more money and we could invest more and more into better mixed albums, more production, more merch. From my boy Christian Donaldson. Right, yeah. Eventually, eventually Christian Donaldson did the mix for us and it's the most satisfied we've been with a mix ever. We're definitely using him again. Yes, Voxenops alumni. Let's go um but so yeah the financial backing so eventually it just was like well if we just put this money aside it's as if we're getting label advances say we make you know back then we were making a little less but after like several months we you know had 30k in our account sitting after our first album came out and we're like okay well, we can afford a good mix for our second album. We can afford to make music videos. We can afford way more merch. The merch is a big thing, by the way. Like, of course, the, we wouldn't be able to afford any of the things we have if it wasn't for the merch store and the people buy merch. So, thank yeah. you to those people. Yeah, shout out 100%. to all the supporters. Yeah. Um, and in fact, we actually had one or two guys who were just nice and donated a couple hundred dollars to us in the beginning. Um, they just supported us so shout out to them um yeah so after putting aside money and we had you know 30k sitting around we could invest a lot into the second album and then after the second album you know it just went up from there and eventually the third album we invested third album we actually did invest like probably a full 30k into because the mix the spent a lot of music videos. We had some really cool music videos. I I actually don't even know the exact numbers, but I just know we did invest more and more as time goes on. And I think the investment is important. When I started out, I was like, oh, we're doing good. We don't need music videos. We don't need crazy production. We just, you know, can do whatever and people like it. But honestly, I think not looking cheap is very important, at least for us. If you can present yourself as sounding just as good as every other band there is, and looking just as good as every other band there is, that's important because then you get taken as seriously as the other bands. And I think I like to think that the way this tour happened and the way the album was received is a result of that. Is just we invested in what we were doing and made sure everything looked a certain way and sounded a certain way. And, and everything is paid off. Exactly. Everything. Yeah, we've never once gone into debt. That w- We were just... Don't spend money we don't have. Um, if we need more time to save it up, we will wait. That's no problem. We. That was one other thing. We were never really... I don't want to say we didn't rush because... There were times when I said we need to get the album done or else people are going to forget about us. We need to keep the momentum going. But at the same time, we didn't ever want to sacrifice the quality of what we were doing. So I you know, pushed bent. you know, let's get these vocals done. I need to get these songs done. But at the same time, if they weren't done the way we wanted them to get done, we will spend more time on it. That's no problem. So we never gave ourselves... A final, final deadline. Melancholy, I wanted to be out in April originally. And we pushed it back a couple months just because we needed more time. And did not really negatively impact it. I figured people would have forgotten about us. The momentum would have gone down. And we had a build it back up. But the next video premiere was over double what any of our videos were ever premiered at. So I think the timing worked out very well. Having Trevor was very nice. Again, shout out to Trevor. Very great man. Very lucky to know that guy. Yeah, um, he's a future Vox and Ops alumni, and he doesn't even know it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he will be, yeah. Um, and then the other thing labels do, besides the money, is just like the general marketing and advertising. And that's the one thing that I feel like if we had a label, they would be putting more legwork into that area than I have been. And maybe that's a potential criticism of this band is maybe we could be spending money on advertisement. Maybe we're crazy not to be spending more on advertisement. Um, But you're playing so that half of the store was sold out. That is correct. So on one hand, I can say we don't need it. We're doing fine the way we are. But on the other hand, you're like, well, maybe we could be doing better if we were doing it. I guess I just heard rumors, I'm not sure if this is true, but that if you start paying for social media boosts, then the algorithms change, and then your posts without boosts are lower than they would have been if you had never started boosting. So I was honestly just scared to do that most of the time. So I never ended up doing that. Well, I mean, so I, we did it every once in a while, but we never, you know, relied on it. And then YouTube, I tried, there's like a way to boost your YouTube videos and I tried to figure it out and it didn't work and I just gave up. And maybe that was stupid of me. Maybe I should have spent more time into it. But again, everything that you guys are doing is just so organic though. So I feel like there are services that a label could provide for us, but I've seen, you know, bands of similar size on a label not growing at the same rate. So to me, that suggests that a label might not always be what it's cracked up to be. But I will say that current's, when Currents signed to its label, our numbers did grow a lot. And I think Currents' growth definitely benefited from having the label. But in this case, I don't think that's... Uh Again, I uh, you'll never know. Maybe we could be as big as Behemoth already if we were on a label... But I don't think so. I think we grew about as fast
0: as we could have if we did have a label, in my opinion. Will Shadow ever sign to a label? Is it something that you'll just always say no to or if the right offer is there? I guess I don't really know what the right offer is.
1: Um, We have been offered 50-50 deals, which are, you know, pretty cool but i don't even know if that's enough if that's worth it for for me um at the moment it just seems like it's not the move and it's kind of become our identity to not be on a label but you know maybe it'll change one day say if we make a bad move and our trajectory goes down and we need to be saved by a label maybe that's a thing that could happen but I'd rather not think about
0: that. Of course not, no. You mentioned early on that your parents weren't enthused about you being into metal. Right. How do they feel now with everything that you've built, everything that Shadow has become? So, my mom appears to be
1: more supportive, but she... I guess they both make remarks about... Money. Um, maybe my mom mentioned last year when I was doing my taxes, it was like, oh, you're on the poverty line, right? Or my dad, I made, you know, had a successful tour of Black Jolly Murder. But my dad was like, so if you had just gotten hotels, you wouldn't have made any money. Because um, we, we do sleep, you know, we have a bunk system in our van. Not true, by the way. We made enough. To where if we had hotels we would have kept more. That's really a, a choice. Um But I mean hopefully they you know, they are coming to the last show of the tour and they, Sweet. they they'll come to they'll come to some shows. They don't refuse to go to my shows. They're not they're not heartless. <laughs> um <laughs> but you know, I'm sure deep down they want me to go back to school. I I have a bachelor's in economics. Um But maybe go back for like a master's degree and get a a job or something. But right now it's, I can't turn back now. (laughs) I
0: don't think you should either. Yeah. Chris, thank you so much for sitting down with me, drinking a glass of craft beer. Thank you for having me. Cheers, brother. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. I had such a great chat with Chris, so smart, uh, so insightful when it comes to being an independent artist. A lot of you people listening to this podcast right now start taking notes because he has cracked the algorithm of how to be a successful independent artist. I am in awe and I just love watching smart, young, talented people accomplish their goals and take it so much farther. I can't wait to see what the future holds for Shadow of Intent, but it's absolutely bright. So huge shout-out to Chris. Thank you so much for coming out to the podcast. I'm so stoked to see what's coming up next. As always, the best way to support the Vox & Hops podcast is via the Vox & Hops Big Cartel page. Up there right now, we have three items. We have the pre-order for the very first Vox & Hops Enjoy Life Metal and Craft Beer Zip-Up Hoodie. I will be closing the pre-orders for this on this coming Wednesday, on March 4th, If you have not placed your order yet and you intended to do so, this is me reminding you nicely because after that they're gone. I'm not going to be making any more. This is another limited item. I will not be making another hoodie such as these. So if you want one, you better pick one up before March 4th. I also have a few of the restocked Vox and Hops cuff knit beanies. And the nine ounce Vox and Hops branded tasting glasses. I only have a few of these left. These are exactly the style of glass that I use when I'm at home drinking craft beer all the time. As you can tell in my pictures, I really like it. It feels great. It is the best format if you want to share great craft beers with your friends. I hope you guys have a great weekend. I hope you have a great week after that. And remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Voxen Hopsets. <laughs>